woman was removed from a Frontier Airlines flight because of an unapproved emotional support squirrel. All the passengers had to get off the plane because of this squirrel, which wouldn't have been a problem were it not for the 53 emotional support dogs chasing it around the counter. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Florida's getting what it's always deserved, it would seem. Uh, what? Because of their misbehavior. Hashtag Florida, man. Uh, that's something. Uh, we certainly pray for our countrymen and our uh, our friends and relatives there. Speaking of taxes, this oh, hey, texture says, yes. A quick Florida note. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, a, you've said this many times. It's a peninsula. <clears throat> yes, you've said that too. Uh, and, and I've called it America's infected appendix and should be sawn off and set adrift in the Caribbean. Um, You've said many times that the national take on local elections is usually horse crap. Mm-hmm. It's a referendum on Trump at the midterm. You know, it's a it'll really show the strength of the Democrats. Blah blah blah. It's usually crap. I have wondered for the longest time uh, about Rick Scott, who's currently the see the senator now. He goes back and forth between senator right. and governor. It's a very purple state, as you know, swing state. But but he's won a couple of big offices. Um, and, and he's in uh, quite the uh, fight. He's uh, slightly behind a way left uh, young uh, mayor of a smallish city. And I wondered, why, why is he struggling? Is it the Trump or the anti-Trump? But then I watched his response to the hurricane, and he seems to have all the leadership qualities of, an, uh, of a sock that's been worn for a day and a half. <laughs> I mean, he just, he seems very flaccid. <laughs> Uh, if you have flaccid socks, you know that's nobody mentions that in the national news. The news Scott, who's a former governor, is also just milk toast and and about as exciting as I don't know another ten minutes at your job, <laughs> right? Um, speaking of taxes, this texture said, "I just came to San San Diego last night and was hit with a fifteen dollars city tax to park my vehicle in the Days Inn parking lot." $15 city tax on your bill for the... That's the whole the screw hotel. the tourists because they, they can't vote here. That's, that that's why hotel taxes and amusement taxes and everything are so high. Airport taxes, the rest of it. What the F is this? What are you going to do? Got this text also with a picture. I don't see any books about our founding fathers on the end cap at Target, but there was this. It's a book called... It's a cartoon book. Elizabeth Warren... And I don't know. Apparently, it's a cartoon book about Elizabeth Warren on the end cap at Target. What is that? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I mentioned a book about the uh, H-bomb that I read a couple of years back that I loved. It's called The Atomic Times. It's a guy who was there. It's short. It's funny. Give it a look if you want to know about the freaking H-bomb, which North Korea now has. It's as funny as radiation poisoning gets. That'd be my review. My <laughs> jacket blurb. There's no funnier book about getting radiated. And uh, coming up, I got another example of um, uh, sticking it to academics about their stupid, stupid studies. Oh, I love this. Which I think, and this is on a bigger scale, George Will was making the point in the Washington Post today that this is infecting our politics, too. It's in all of society. Mm -hmm. This whole just denying reality and going with with what sounds good for our side. Right. It's a little scary that we're all doing it. Well, and listen, I've been called an elitist, uh, perhaps because I am. Um, Not really. I don't even know what the term means. But the more rock the votier you get, the more that sort of thing works. 
just tell people what they want to hear and get them whipped up. And I mean, because, uh, you know, the less people want to examine their own beliefs. Well, we were focusing on the last couple of days in the state of California, the number of non-citizens that got registered to vote in California. Right. As it has gone step by step through driver's licenses for non-citizens, which the reaction to that was... Well, illegals. Yeah. yeah. Because there are plenty of non-citizens who are lawful. Um, There was was a reaction to that of, are you freaking kidding? We're not going to give driver's license to illegals. Right. Then that happened. Yeah. And then the idea of registering people when they drive. Are you freaking kidding? We're not going to just... You don't get registered to vote... Just because you got a driver's license, you're just trying to do that so you can... And yeah, now essentially, the, you're registered if you can fog a mirror. And now we're at the next step where they, they have registered people to vote who shouldn't be voting, non-citizens, and uh, that has happened, and I doubt it's an accident. But what I failed oh, to appreciate... Okay, because there was a headline late yesterday that came out on this. California's top election officials... Uh, official said he doesn't know if any of the thousands of people who are registered improperly voted. They just don't know. Wow. That's something. And uh, what I'd fail to appreciate, and obviously this was part of the plan with the whole motor voter thing. Every year you got thousands and thousands and thousands of 17-year-olds that automatically get registered to vote. One of the reasons that cycle after cycle the youth vote is all excited and showing up to rallies and carrying placards and chanting and they don't vote is they realize come time to vote, they aren't registered. <laughs> that happens all the time with young people. Right. Always has. Yeah. You're a whipped up 25 year old and you're all excited for Bernie or whoever. And then you finally realize, oh, you have to be registered. I'm not registered. How do you do that? And then you just forget about it. And you're not registered next time either. Then you that's, go get drunk with your friends. That's been happening with young people forever. And now California has figured out we've got it. We've got it settled. Because yeah. it's an opt-out program, you're automatically registered to vote as soon as you get your driver's license, and now you've got all those people over the hurdle that stopped young people from voting for years. And 18 to 25-year-olds are quite famously easy to convince to vote for stuff that sounds good, but has failed a hundred times in a row because they don't study history. Yeah, you you couldn't in the past, like, you know, as an activist, get a bus together and show up to... Uh, to dorms or high schools and and get people on the bus and take and take them to vote because they weren't registered. Right now they are. Right, that's a ma- that could be a major change in politics. Who's for fairness? Yay! Scream all the college kids! Yay! And then they go vote for quote unquote fairness. All those people ch- cheering rock the vote at various concerts. They never got around to register. Well, now they don't have to get around to registering. Yeah, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, well, we'll that could that could be a major change in the politics of a state or the country. I agree. We will reap what we have sown. You don't want young people making decisions. You really don't. Younger than 85? Sure. I'm all for that. But uh, So you think there's a sweet spot between uh, motor voter children and (laughs) the average age of the U.S. Senate? (laughs) Yes. I do think there's a sweet spot in there somewhere. I would tend to agree. So, uh, listen, there are a bunch of things we could do. Some of them deserving only of a couple of minutes. How about this? Uh, somebody, Nick, pointed out that uh, it just feels wrong that on Columbus Day, both the Indians and the Braves got eliminated. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm uncomfortable with that. Oh, wow. And is this right? And the Redskins were playing on Monday Night Football? Wow. I don't, I don't know that that's true. It might be a joke, but I thought it was funny. And I like this. This is good. This is, well, this is probably stupid. 
we should probably pick a side of the political uh, equation and just hammer what y'all want to hear uh, over and over again and uh, and and shout epithets at those who disagree. Um, I found this really interesting. It's a note from uh, Greg. Okay. I'm not yet worthy of one of your acronym monikers, like being Fagafy, friend of Armstrong and Getty over 15 years. But if you would Sharpie, uh, Sharpie uh, A&G on a red Solo cup, it would warm the cockles of my heart. And I say this sincerely, whether I mean it or not. <laughs> uh, listening intently to your story about artificial intelligence at Amazon showing bias toward male candidates. Was it Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The computer figured out that they are hiring more men so that they, they, their, their artificial intelligence thought, okay, we want more men. So they started weeding out women. Right. And it reminded me of just how... Uh, uh, everyone is unaware of their unconscious biases. I spent nearly 10 years as a management consultant hired by companies to be an objective third party to help them identify the biases present present in their employees. This was non-human resource opinion research that would... Re- Here's the part that I really like, because every company needs this desperately. This was non-human resource opinion research that would reveal what frontline employees thought was wrong with the product versus middle management. I love that. Asking the soldiers and not the generals how the battle is going. This showed me the fundamental truth, and it's obvious. Unconscious means we are blind to our biases. The person that codes AI will not realize they are coding in their biases into the magic box. Anyone that claims to be unbiased should be treated as someone that is delusional, except for me. (laughs) That's Greg. That was good. That was good. It would be interesting to have um, uh, somebody lay out the biases you're unaware of. It could be frightening. Blow your mind, man. It could. could rock you to your core. Do you want to be rocked to your core? I'm not sure I do. Not really. No. I don't want to be. In fact, I know I don't want to be rocked to my core no. at this point in my life. No, I got enough drama. I'm past my core rocking days. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Are you ready to rock your core? <laughs> I am what I am. I'd rather be rocked to sleep at this stage. <laughs> exactly. I heard that. Woman suing the school because her son didn't make the varsity team as a senior at that school, as happened a lot of schools, happened in my school. If you couldn't make the varsity team as a senior, you don't get to play because they don't want to have seniors taking up all the JV slots for the for the younger crowd. Right. And it's kind of a, you know, all right, if by this stage you're not varsity material, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. Um, is, well, is also I, would, the, I would agree. Is also the suggestion. Anyway, so she sued. My son has big... always gotten a trophy. You should see his trophy shelf full of participant awards. And I wish we had a system where somebody could say to her, ah! and that's the way it was responded to. <laughs> and it was just over at that point. Get over you, it. You don't have to get a lawyer or go through any legal mumbo jumbo or talk about title this or that. Right. Right. You just say, ah! Kind of get out of here. We're busy here. (laughs) Right, exactly. That would be. I'll tell you what. ISIS doesn't have any participation trophies. China's not handing out participation trophies. Those who would take what we have are attempting to breed excellence. I think not fat, lazy, stupid mediocrity. I think that should be the show overwrought statement of the day. ISIS isn't giving out participation trophies. I'm ready to own that statement. <laughs> you got to get that on a t-shirt. Label this segment of the podcast, Just Joe Advocates Acting More Like ISIS. <laughs> well, I see you've benefited from my How to Argue Unfairly clinics. Oh, I, I bought the complete set. Yeah, I know. I know. Full price. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Um, we got to do a follow up on those great researchers that uh, that hoaxed the world of academia. Oh yes, please! It's my favorite thing so of all good. time. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Get this, I heard by, uh, by 2021, the planet could have more personal assistant devices than people. Even worse, I heard it from my Alexa in a very threatening tone. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Fallon with a couple of non-political jokes that have been very funny this morning. Um, certainly there are big tent jokes that welcome everyone in, except that anybody who leans you know, to the right of Elizabeth Warren has probably gone away already. Uh, let's see. What are we? We got that. We certainly could do that. Oh yeah, just a little more on the uh, the uh, voting scandal in California, which was as utterly predictable as the sunrise. Uh, Secretary of State Alex Padilla, 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 who's uh, in charge of uh, voting, voting systems, elections, etc. Uh, said he doesn't know if any of the roughly 1,500 people mistakenly registered to vote. It will be many, many, many more than that when the dust settles. But he doesn't know if they cast ballots. They're investigating. They're working with counties. Um, it says the group included at least one non-citizen living legally in the state and perhaps many more. They don't know. And my favorite aspect of talking about voter fraud and illegal voting is uh, I remember John Stewart, who's a very smart guy, um, but talking about how there have been like three prosecutions. That's like saying there have been three prosecutions for the crime of having stale wheat thins in your cabinet. There's no means of investigating it. Nobody enforces it. Nobody even cares about stale wheat thins. So to cite the number of people cited for it is is kind of uh, it's a red herring. And I do enjoy some good red herring. On a cracker? On a good stale Ritz. <laughs> if I can't bend that thing in half, it's not ready yet. We had uh, um, tri-tip last night. Oh, I love the tri-tip. Three tips. Number one, eat some tri-tip. <laughs> Number two and three, see tip one. <laughs> um, how much better is it on a grill than in a pan? Because we usually make it in a pan. A pan? Like, yeah. uh, pan like you do a... Oh, Huh. I, and I like it, um, but we how did long does it grill, take to cook? On and a it pan? was just like anyway. I, we were all remarking, "This is so freaking good," oh, and yeah. we couldn't figure if it was the cut of the meat or if because it was on the grill. It's never even occurred to me to do a, a tri-tip on a pan, so I I have no opinion on the topic. I don't cook anything, so I don't yeah. never ask me anything. I'm the grillmeister general. So. Would it make would it make it that much better though, cooking it on the grill, or is it the cut of meat? Because we could, this time we got it from the butcher instead of just from the package. Uh, I can't imagine cooking it on a pan. Okay. But again, I've never even considered it. Mm-hmm. So, how about if I just microwave it? Oh, that's good or boil it. <laughs> There's nothing like boiling. Um, uh, do we have time to do this? I don't know if we have time to do this. I think we have time to do this. We could get into it. 
Um, so I'm fasc- I've always been fascinated by this. Not always. When I was four, I wasn't fascinated by this. I've been fascinated by this for a while. You know, <laughs> well, I appreciate your honesty. You could probably just go for it. <laughs> um, for instance, I mean, to what extent is, is what goes on at the top levels coming from the bottom of society? And I know we're not going to get to this because my setup is so long. But using the example of, for instance, um, individuals have stopped saving and uh, and max out their credit cards right more than ever happened in previous generations. And hey, it turns out the governments of all our counties and states and the federal government are doing the same thing. Yeah, to a large extent. Yeah, certainly the feds. So is that a thing? Like we just, I mean, because we don't discuss it. I mean, nobody's discussing the idea of, I want to vote for people who overspend. But we do it in our personal lives, and right. we end up allowing it to happen in the government. Got to be a relationship. So it's got to be a relationship. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And so a similar thing here with the um, what we see going on in academics with uh, with that great story that came out last week of the, uh, the researchers put out those hoax articles and got them published. A lot of them, yeah. Showing that um, uh, universities don't care if the research makes any sense or not. It's just important that you have the right buzzwords and it and it helps build our narrative. Right. And you can you can push it to the point that it's hilarious, but they'll still buy it if you scratch them where they itch. And George Will's making the point in his column today, I think it's really interesting that he's taking those studies and putting it to our government, talking about some of the things Donald Trump says that aren't true. He points out the thing that when Harry Reid claimed that Mitt Romney never paid taxes, didn't matter that that wasn't true and he had, that he had no way to verify it. A mm-hmm. lot of the media ran with it and it was big. So are, are we all, just as a culture then, have we just decided we don't care about facts anymore? We just want what makes us feel good and helps back our narrative. And then, and that has seeped, like the economic thing, into our higher levels of academia and government. I think it's entirely possible. I think that's really interesting. We've just abandoned that as, as a society. Fact-based research, nobody's going to raise their hand and say, I don't know, can you prove that, Jim? No, no, if it sounds like it backs my side, mm-hmm. we're all willing to go with it. Right, right. I think it's worth mentioning that... Um, a lot of mental illness, depression, anxiety, uh, those sort of things are practically unknown among like subsistence farmers. Uh, those who are working every day or just, you know, old timey American farmer farmers. You had to work hard every day to feed yourself. Nobody had anxiety. You're too busy getting the weed in. Um, and so our affluent, fat, safe society. Yeah, I bet we can. Uh, we've developed other weird emotional and mental flaws like. We don't care if it's true, as long as it makes me feel good. It's it's a new phenomenon. More on that coming up. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, a multi-billion dollar deal that could reshape health care as we know it. And boy, I'll tell you, don't get on Melania Trump's bad side. We have highlights from a new interview coming up. Me, how? What's she do? All right. She, does she choke out a reporter? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking presidential news. <laughs> you know, this is really kind of donkey abuse. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't oh, be my. the boy who cl- oh, cried wolf. The breaking news is that Kanye West will be joined at the White House by Kid Rock. 
Actually? Yes. <laughs> yes. Isn't that great? Brandon's <laughs> shaking his head as he's leaving the room. <laughs> Have Kanye and Kid Rock ever hung together? Died. Oh, no. There's video of them entering the oh, White House. Oh, and yeah. Kid Rock's wearing the fedora, although he's dressed up. He's wearing a jacket, it looks it appears. Is that the Rock for Senator Fedora? <laughs> right. I don't know. There they go. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's young Mr. Rock. A reporter asked Kid Rock if the president should fire Jeff Sessions. Rock responded, fire you. What does that mean? It means you shouldn't talk to Kid Rock about political issues. That's a pretty good one right there, Sean. I think he may uh, that may have been a different F.U., Jack. God, I would love to hear the form. actual conversation between Trump, Kanye, and Kid Rock. <laughs> no kidding, that could be pretty wild. <laughs> oh, please. Oh. All three of them. Oh, uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Boy, I don't know. Have you heard about this huge deal that could very well reshape health care as we know it? The mighty CVS drugstore chain has confirmed it has all but cemented the deal to buy Aetna for $69 billion. What? This after the Justice Department gave preliminary approval of the deal. The Washington Post is reporting that the deal between CVS and America's third largest health insurance company has the potential to transform health care. For good or ill? Oh, what would it look like on the ground, Marshall? Well, we need your analysis. Here's the deal. It's going gonna, it's gonna to marry a company that controls some 9,800 drugstores, CBS, and 1,100 walk-in clinics with an insurer covering around 22 million people, meaning CBS can become the place to go for more than just flu shots and treatment of minor illnesses and giving it a very strong hand in getting price discounts when negotiating with pharmaceutical companies. They are looking at a lot of, uh, of uh, symbiotic relationships uh, in this marriage. Mm. That is huge. Uh, my, uh, my, my fur is up yeah, on this exactly. one. I, I find it hard it, to believe it, that this could is, be beneficial, but I doubt it. I find it hard to believe that this isn't going to happen because somebody's going to make more money, not me. The me, the customer, is going to spend more money somehow. That'd just be my guess. In other news, First Lady Melania Trump told ABC News in an exclusive interview that she has told her husband there have been people in his administration that she did not trust working for him. He's been in office now almost two years. Has he had people that you didn't trust working for him? Yes. Did you let him know? I let him know. And what did he do? Uh, Well, some people, they don't work there anymore. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the dragon lady. She also the said... The power behind the throne. The she, evil queen. She, she also... Ryan's previous must go, she said. <laughs> I do not like him. She also said she believes she's one of the most bullied people in the world. I could say I'm the most bullied person on on the world. You think you're the most bullied person in the world? One of them. If you really see what people are saying about me. And then when she was asked... Yeah, we, uh, a lot of us get that. And then when she was asked about her influence with the Donald... The one who has the most control over Donald Trump is Melania. 100%. Is that true? Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I give him my honest advice and honest opinions, and uh, then he does what he wants to do. See, my my only response to this would be, and it's not her fault, why does anybody ever ask a first lady anything? Why? I don't know. I think if you're writing the biography, if you're writing a biography, it would be you, there'd be useful. A, yeah, there'd be something yeah. perhaps there in the relationship between uh, the husband and the wife. I don't need to know anything about it. 
I don't nope. need to. I don't need to know what she thinks. Unless she's the power behind the throne. Oh, I don't need to know what she thinks the about anything. Evil queen. Ronald Reagan's presidential library in Southern California has unveiled three holograms of the former president. In one of the holograms, Reagan is seen at a 1984 campaign stop waving to the crowd from onboard a rail car, as he says in audio from his real remarks. You will find the same America of unlimited hope and opportunity that had been left to us by our parents. Reagan's seen talking from inside the Oval Office, and in the third hologram, he's in riding pants, carrying a lasso next to his dog at his ranch. Well, I'm proud of Rancho del Cielo. A 350-acre ranch overlooking the Pacific Ocean. So It uh, truly is America the Beautiful. So to me, this story is all about the holograms and where yes. we are with tech technology. How good are they? They're very good. Are they? Yeah. It looks pretty good. Yeah. The holograms... Uh, that would be, that'd be weird. When holograms really get nailed down, that's going to be something. Right. They were created using a silicon mask, or cast rather, of Reagan's head that was photographed from a bunch of different angles with the image and then digitally placed on the body of an actor. So when you go to the Reagan Library, the first room you go into, it'll feature those holograms. They'll be the president talking to you. Did they ha- ah, a ghost! <laughs> Did they have to behead the actor? Is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah. A headless actor. Yes. It's gruesome. And again, as you just mentioned, it's going to be Kid Rock, Kanye West, and Donald Trump sitting down for lunch at the White House today. I believe I heard Jim Brown was involved, too. I don't know if that's a separate meeting or something, too, but I think he's making a stop. <laughs> Why not? Piece as well. The <laughs> football great Jim yeah. Brown? Yeah, let's throw social another... activist. Yeah. yeah, let's throw in some other people. Andrew Dice Clay might make an appearance <laughs> as well. <laughs> Kanye! That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. <laughs> Is Trump putting together a variety show? <laughs> Hilarious. Trump, uh, Kanye, and Kid Rock, and maybe Jim Brown. Um, and what's being called the, wait, what? Summit? <laughs> Academia is a disease, it would seem. It's, it's a Agreed. Infested our land. Well, We're I all catching on to this. Spreading psychosis. It's like... Uh, it's like a syphilis. Eventually, it eats away at your brain. Academia. That was a graphic. You These go, are graphic times. You go to the sexually transmitted disease a lot for metaphors. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> Not that I can think of, no. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The cost of interest on our debt is about to pass the cost of Medicaid, and in 2023, the cost of interest on our debt is going to pass the entire size of our military budget. How does that not get more discussion on a daily basis (sighs) or a every two years election basis? Just doesn't. We're not a serious country. No, we're not. Actually, I hadn't intended it to fit in to what we're about to talk to, but I think it does a little bit. Um, the the success of uh, just getting into uh, buzzwords and buzz topics that we're all into and firing mm-hmm. up crowds is is so popular and productive. 
Yeah. In terms of getting elected or getting attention or making money. You know what's funny? If you have personally money problems, nothing else matters much. No. God, That's all no. you think about. No. Money or health problems? Well, no. And we have terrible, terrible money problems, yeah. and nobody thinks about it at all. So by now, you've probably heard about the the massive hoax uh, perpetrated by three scholars who Hilarious! Spent, spent 10 months writing 20 fake, absurd academic papers and getting a number of them published. Like human reactions to rape culture and queer performativity at urban dog parks in Portland, Oregon. They thought to expose, they sought to expose the excesses of what they called grievance studies, which is such a great term. I will use it for the rest of my life. You know, kidding. Academic fields that, in their view, had turned from seeking truth to promoting a narrow swath of progressive ideology. And by the way, these researchers, as they point out, they're liberal Democrats. They're left-leaning Democrats. Right. But they're academics, and they're into what's real. And they wanted to point that out. Um, I hadn't heard this one because we'd mentioned the, 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 the dog park one. One paper titled, Our Struggle is My Struggle, Solidarity Feminism as an Intersectional Reply to Neoliberal and Choice Feminism, was literally a partial chapter of Mein Kampf, rewritten <laughs> right. using women's studies buzzwords. Right. Which right. is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I heard about that one. That's great. So it's being referred to as the Sokol Squared hoax. And the reason they're referring to it that is that this guy named Sokol did this back in 96. And uh, it didn't get near as much attention as theirs did. So they did the same thing. Because there weren't no social media. Boy, and, and, and he quotes this statement from 1990. So 1990, I mean, geez, that's back when Kavanaugh was ooching around drunk, you know, attacking women. That's hey, way hey, back. Then. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Out of bounds. I don't know why I threw that in. 1990s, a long time ago, and they quoted this guy, Larry Lawden of Science and Relativism, the displacement of the idea that facts and evidence matter by the idea that everything boils down to subjective interests and perspectives is, second only to American political campaigns, the most prominent and pernicious manifestation of anti-intellectualism in our time. Right. George Will's it's, column it, oh, today uh, uh, talks about, it's one of the great retreats in modern humans, from the truth. Right. It, it reminds me of the belief in uh, evil spirits and magic in the Middle Ages. So this guy Sokol wrote, For some years I've been troubled by an apparent decline in the standards of intellectual rigor in certain precincts of the American academic humanities. I mean, he's a physicist. So to test the prevailing intellectual standards, he decided to try an experiment. Would a leading North American Journal of Culture Studies publish an article liberally salted with nonsense if A, it sounded good, and B, it flattered the editor's ideological preconceptions? We all know what the answer to that question is. Yeah, of course. The answer, unfortunately, was yes, he said. His article, Transgressing the Boundaries Towards a Transformative Hermeneutics, I don't even know how to say that, of Quantum Gravity, and it actually got published. Uh, could the editors really not have realized that my article was written as a parody? Um, he he mentions um, how he just threw in crap, like all kinds of crap. I intentionally wrote the article so that any competent physicist, physicist or mathematician or undergraduate physics or math major would realize this is a spoof. Evidently, the editors of Social Text, which printed it, uh, the article on quantum, quantum physics without bothering to consult anybody who is knowledgeable on the subject whatsoever because it fit in with their political beliefs. Right. 
the fundamental silliness of my article lies in that I claim quantum gravity, which is a still speculative theory of space and time and blah, 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 which you either know about that you don't, uh, has profound political implications, which, of course, are progressive in my article. In the second paragraph, I declare, without the slightest evidence or argument, (laughs) that physical reality, note the scare quotes. He puts quotes around physical reality. He calls those scare quotes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I make the argument that physical reality is at bottom a social and linguistic construct. Not our theories of physical reality, mind you, but the reality itself. And he says, by the way, anyone who believes the laws of physics are mere social conventions is invited to try transgressing those conventions from the windows of my apartment. I live on the 21st floor. (laughs) In other words, saying if you don't believe gravity is real for political reasons, go ahead, walk out my window. Yeah. I mean, that's hilarious. Show me. Um, Wow. Even non-scientist readers might well wonder what in heaven's name quantum field theory has to do with psychoanalysis. (laughs) Certainly, my article gives no reasoned argument to support such a link. Wow. <laughs> this is so good. Isn't that amazing? And it got printed. Well, here's the serious flip side, Jack. It's also easy to assume, and certainly true, you don't need to assume it, that carefully reasoned, brilliantly researched, authentic science that goes against the party line will be rejected out of hand in yeah. the grievance science, uh, the uh, grievance studies fields. Nowhere in my paper is there anything resembling a logical sequence of thought. One finds only citations of authority, plays on words, strained analogies, and bald assertions. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I mean, that's absolutely unbelievable. I love that list. In its concluding passages, my article becomes especially egregious. Having abolished reality as a constraint on science, I go on to suggest, once again without argument, that science, in order to be liberatory, must be subordinated politi- to political strategies. And he talks about a um, an emancipatory mathematics. Wow. With, with, wow. No, with no what that is or backing it up. He just right. throws out a term. Well, here's the scary part. There are people in universities right now that are espousing those same ideas. That mathematics are paternalistic and white supremacist in their nature. People are serious about it. And again, that first quote about how we're retreating from reason, we're retreating from the Enlightenment, was from 1990. This uh, Sokol article was in 1996. In his summary of this whole thing, having gotten it published, he says, in short, my concern over the spread of subjectivist thinking is both intellectual and political. He goes through the intellectual part of it on how it's bad for academics. That's pretty obvious. Then he gets into the politically I'm angered because most, though not all of this silliness, is emanating from the self-proclaimed left. He is a a left, by the way. He is a left guy. Mm Mm-hmm. We're witnessing here is a profound historical about face. For most of the past two centuries, the left has been identified with science and against obscuritanism, obscuring things. We have believed that rational thought and the fearless analysis of objective reality, both natural and social, are incisive tools for combating the mystifications promoted by the powerful academic humanists and social scientists. He gets into, um, in another paragraph, how originally when we, we came up with science and all this was a way to go against the churches, religion, um, uh, um, um, old wives' tales, that sort of stuff. Mysticism. And we're going yeah. back that direction. Right. We've peaked. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. 
And he was so right in his prediction, as I pointed out. This has gone from, like so many things these days, from parody to reality on college campuses, which would merely be amusing if these lunatics weren't indoctrinating millions and millions of young Americans year after year after year and convincing them that this magical hokum is true. We cannot combat false ideas in history, sociology, economics, and politics if we reject the notions of truth and falsity. Well, there's no doubt about that. So there's this article. This is the original Sokol article, and then George Will writing a column about how it's into our politics today. He talks about the the uh, the hoax of last week that got so much attention, and how you know, especially people on the right were really loving it. I I, I was loving you know academics getting their come up comeuppance, sure. yeah. But how it's infected our politics? How you can just say things that aren't true? We don't even care that they're not true. Right. We don't even look into whether or not they're true. It just it bolsters my side, so let's run with it. Yeah, boy, reading this guy's bio, he he taught math for the Sandinistas, in Nicaragua. He's a real lefty. And he thinks this. Well, that's good stuff. It's troubling as hell. But it's brilliant. Abandoning the Enlightenment. That's a hell of a thing. The Enlightenment was paternalistic white supremacy, Jack. Absolutely amazing. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.